welcome to Podventures in Odyssey. I'm Emily. And I'm Tatiana. Every week we re-listen to an episode of Adventures in Odyssey, then we sit down to recap and discuss. We are going in album order, and today we are in album five, episode... Is it five and six or four and five? Five and six. Five and six. Yeah, so this is another two-parter. This is Connie Goes to Camp. Two-parter in an album that is almost entirely two-parters. I think there's like four of them. Yeah, solidly four. Maybe the highest proportion of two-parters of all the albums. I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, man, you guys are going to get a lot of content. Content. (laughs) In the most digital era sense of the word. So I wrote down for the title of this, sometimes the title of an episode is just a description. Because this episode is called Connie Goes to Camp. It doesn't always have to be an earth-shattering analogy or a quote from a Bible verse. Mm -hmm. Or something, I don't know, super clever pun type of thing. Yeah. I mean, the first Camp What a Nut episode was just called Camp What a Nut. And when Connie came to town, the episode was called Connie Comes to Town. Maybe this is just one of those episodes in a string of Connie doing a thing. Yeah, are there more? I don't know, but there's been two instances now, so there might be a trend. There might. We'll see. But I, I appreciate it. Maybe maybe our episode title will match it, but I have a doubt. Our episode titles tend to be off the wall. <laughs> as off the wall as we can possibly make them while still retaining some semblance of connection. Yeah, this is true. It is semi-intentional. So, shall we dive in? Let's dive in. This is an exciting one. I like this episode a lot. So. It's an epistolary episode. That is exactly the first note that I also wrote. <laughs> <laughs> Great minds. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so Connie is currently away at camp, working as a camp counselor, and this episode is entirely consisting of her recounting tales from camp to her mother through letters. Mm -hmm. Or is it a single letter? I think it's probably a single letter. It doesn't really matter, but I think it's just a letter. Yeah, she's been there for a week, and she's thinking about how much her heart hurts whenever Uh she remembers what happened with Wit. Yes. Flashback to, by the way, we're in the middle of plot right now. Yep. Some Odyssey episodes stand alone and some do not. We're in the middle of some Odyssey plot, you guys. You should go back and listen to uh, Bite of Applesauce Mm -hmm. if you haven't already, assuming you have. Either go back and listen to our recounting of it or listen to the episode itself or both. Yeah, preferably both. Uh, so she's recalling events that happened in Bite of Applesauce. We can do spoilers for past episodes. Yeah, we established that. Yeah, that's the- because that's not how spoilers work. It's not a spoiler if it happened in the past. Unless you're Doctor Who. Yeah, unless you're Doctor Who, in which case all rules change. Time travel rules. So Connie essentially was banished from Wit's End. Not like banned, but she was fired from Wit's End, and she was fired from Wit's End under circumstances- that are a little bit questionable, if you ask us. Yeah. But uh, in-universe, they were framed as Connie broke Wit's trust by breaking some rules, messing with a computer program called Applesauce, and uh, it resulted in her being fired. And all of this was part of a metaphor of the Garden of Eden, the eating of the apple sauce. (laughs) So Connie is now, like, remembering that this has happened and she is sad. Sad about being cast out of the Garden of Wit's End. Yeah, so keep this in the back of your mind Mm -hmm. during this two-parter. Mm-hmm. It will become relevant. Indeed. Also, Connie is a camp counselor. She is not a camper. (laughs) 
She's too old to be a camper. The way that she was talking about it at first, I, th- I was like, wait a minute, did Connie want to go as a camper? Because she's like, they made me a cabin counselor, if you'll believe it. And I was like, what else would you have been? As opposed to like a groundskeeper or an yeah. activities supervisor. Yeah, she's she's in charge of an entire girl's cabin, so you know what? You go for it. I actually honestly feel like few teenagers are as equipped as Connie to be a cabin counselor. Actually, yeah. It's like, what do you mean, can you believe it? We can totally believe it, (laughs) Connie. Yeah, Connie, you were born for this. You spend, like, most of your life working... Most of your life. You've spent most of your time working at a discovery emporium for children Mm -hmm. since you've moved to Odyssey. Yes, you've been forged for this in the fires of Wit's End. This is also a multi-church retreat. Yeah. So I guess it's like all the churches in Odyssey, mm-hmm. in Connellsville, perhaps. I feel like Odyssey never really establishes like who goes to what church or like what denomination or like what the churches are called. I think we occasionally get a mention of a specific church name, but like by and large, they kind of leave that obscure because mm-hmm. I think they're trying not to make it like about the specific church. Yeah. I mean, we do know that Tom and Wit, I think, go to the same church yes. and that we know that a few kids are in Tom's Sunday school mm-hmm, class. Mm-hmm. But apart from that, we don't really know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I guess they do this because the point is all the kids from all the churches are together and all of our kids are together. We'll talk about that later, but it makes me happy that, like, we have consistent kid characters all together in one place. I know! This is, like, the first instance of that, really. It's really, really enjoyable. I think that's part of what's really good about this episode. Yeah, so we are in the cabin and Connie is laying down the rules. After screaming for quiet. Yeah, oh my gosh. What is this trope where, like, a person needs to get the attention of an entire room and they can't do it until they scream quiet? (laughs) Or something. I don't know where it comes from and I don't know why we see it every time there's something like this. Yeah, but we see it. This is, like, not the first time and not the last time in Odyssey. Alright, well, whatever. Anyway, this is how Connie gets the girl's attention and, uh, yes, rule time. Yeah, no sports in the cabins, no pillows being used as clubs, no using the beds as trampolines. Do you think that that is all part of the same rule? Is that what she means by no sports in the cabins? Because I thought that was like the weirdest possible way of putting that. I don't know. (laughs) No sports in the cabins, guys. No food outside the cafeteria, which attracts sense. Folks like bears, raccoons. (laughs) Yes, these folks. These woods folks. The woods folk. The, the woods people. Oh, and the most important rule, of course, that Connie outlines is you cannot be out after lights out. Yes. She really underscores it. Like, this is a serious rule. If you break it, you could get a warning or you could get sent home from camp. Mm-hmm. Do not be outdoors after lights out. So this is like the first point that I want to make a connection to applesauce with because uh-huh. this is what should have happened in applesauce. Yeah. Yeah. They should too. have established very early on, very clearly to everyone involved, what the rules were. What the rules are and, and the, the consequences. consequences. That reminds me, I don't know if we pointed it out in our applesauce episode, but that is another thing that would parallel the biblical story because God says, don't eat of it or you will die very clear Mm -hmm. boundaries and clear consequences. So yeah, this is a a better parallel than what we get in Bite of Applesauce, in which Connie is not actually told the rules regarding the program. She's told by Eugene later on, but it's like a game of telephone at that point. And neither of them are told the consequences. No, neither of them are told the consequences, only that it like is very serious, don't touch it. 
And I mean, that should be enough, but also it, like, it does something to really undercut the metaphor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, just thought I'd point that out. Mm-hmm. Yes, thank you. Good, good point. Uh, we are now introduced to the character of Allison, who uh, wants to know about this rule about TV. No electronics. Yeah, is that really a rule? And Connie's like, well, it's on the rule sheet, Allison. <laughs> So, yeah, I'm so, going to yeah. say yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, now now off you all go to whatever the next thing they're going to do. They're going to go do crafts or something. And Connie has agreed to help Allison carry her suitcase. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's like, hey, let's walk together. Yeah, want to get to know my, my cabin kids. Mm-hmm. Being a good camp counselor. Yeah. And this suitcase is super heavy. Oh, so heavy. Why would it be so heavy, Allison? Oh, it's just got all the normal stuff, you know. Clothes, hairbrush, shoes, toothpaste, TV. Shampoo. Yeah. You know. And Connie's like, oh, yeah, okay, that's, wait, what? (laughs) Did you say TV? She says it under her breath, too. She's like, television. Yeah. (laughs) Literally packed up her television and brought it out here. I don't know where she thinks she's going to plug it in or how she's going to get cable. I, yeah, that was, like, my question, too, is, like, what, I mean... You can bring it, but, like, this rule seems like it will enforce itself just by the virtue of your in the wilderness. Which we see in general with other things like hair dryers Yeah, as well. that gets brought up later and on. And electric blankets. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, there are no outlets outdoors. Was a battery-powered TV a thing in the 80s? That's what I'm wondering, because I know boomboxes were a thing. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe. It still doesn't solve the cable problem. No, it does not. She got her own dish with her. <laughs> uh, no, but but basically she, she, at this point, kind of, like, snaps. Not snaps, but she, like, breaks down and is like, look, Connie, you gotta help me. I have to have my TV. Like, shows this side of herself that until now it seemed like pretty, basically a normal kid mm-hmm. who just is, like, there at camp, wish she had her TV, but it's like a, this is another trope. Where the person, like, suddenly gets desperate for their addiction. Mm-hmm. And the addiction is something, like... Mundane? Yes, exactly. Chocolate bunnies or... Mm-hmm. Something not explicit, basically. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. So, uh, this is hers. She's our TV-addicted character. I mean, I feel for her a little bit. Like, she doesn't have the modern conveniences that we do of, like, DVR and... I know. I was thinking that at one point as well, because Connie's streaming. like, it's just a week, Allison. And she's like, a week? It might as well be my life. <laughs> I mean, if you're watching a serialized show, that would be a bummer to miss something that you can, like, never watch it again. Yep. It's gone forever. It's gone They didn't know that Netflix would be invented soon enough. In 20 years. (laughs) When was Netflix invented? Um, I know when I came to know of it, which was in, like, the mid-2000s. Oh, okay. So it's not even, like, 20 years later. You'll be fine. But also, she's watching shows that are, like, not serial. She's watching, like, game shows and whatever. But also soap operas, too, though, so I guess that would be a bummer. I know, hearing the game shows on that list, I was like, oh, you'll live. Yeah, you will you can live without, like, Wheel of Fortune and whatever. And, uh, yeah, Allison is not fine. I think the scene fades out on her panicking and trying to convince Connie to give her the TV. <laughs> which Connie is going to, like, lock up in the, I don't know. Storage or yeah, something. Yeah, basically. Well, Connie tells her mom back to the epistolary portion. 
mm-hmm. of the episode. She's like, all right, well, this is this is how it started out. And it was craft time. And while the boys were carving artistic masterpieces that looked like soap dishes. <laughs> or what? Butter, Butter dishes? dishes? <laughs> I don't know. Meanwhile, the girls were with Thelma Thud. Elmer Fudd? No, no. Thelma Thud. The off-brand Elmer Fudd who, for some reason, is not a play on that character. She didn't sound like him or anything. If anything, she sounds like an adult Lucy. Yeah, she sounded a lot like an adult Lucy. It was weird. And the girls are... How is it put? Being made to prepare for the future? Uh Uh-huh. And so instead of art, they are learning housekeeping. Homemaking instead of arts and crafts. Mm -hmm. (sighs) Mm-hmm. This is a weird element of this episode. I I cannot help but feel like they were trying to make it very tongue-in-cheek. Yeah. Like, deliberately saying, Uh like, oh, ho, ho, we are so clever. We know that this is, like, we've moved past this in our society, but... It's like a... It's like not Odyssey's brand is the weird thing about it to be very, like, 90s girl power. It was, like, a thing in the 90s where it was, like important to point out explicitly how girls could do things just as well as boys. And I feel like Odyssey doesn't really, it doesn't take that tack. Mm -mm. It more so just tells stories about kids being kids, typically. Yeah, so it was a little weird to get that in this. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if there's anything that I feel like is super wrong with this. To, to be clear, what I, what I'm saying I don't think is wrong is the way Odyssey is telling the story, not the whole, like, girls doing housework while boys do arts and crafts. <laughs> I don't know if that was clear, but, um... I mean, these are the sacrifices you'll have to make for a good home. Yeah, says Mrs. Thelma Thud. As the girls are, like, scrubbing the floor, we like, welcome to summer camp, children. This is... Camp Cinderella, get on your knees and clean these dirty floors. I was like, cue the scene from Cinderella where mm-hmm. she's singing and the bubbles are flying around her. Yep. It's basically that and Robin being like, my jeans are getting a hole in the knee, my new jeans. And uh, Thelma Thud keeps like encouraging them. Encouraging is too positive a word. Mm. She is like shaming them into... <laughs> doing a good job at this by being like, don't you want to have a good house when you're older? This is necessary work. Look at Lucy. She's doing commendable work over here. Mm-hmm. Look at her posture. Yeah, well, meanwhile, Donna being like, but this is what moms are for. <laughs> Donna, what do you think you're going to be someday? Yeah, and she does say, I'm kidding. But like... They're kids at a summer camp. This is not right. Mm-mm. This is not right. And the girls do whisper to each other, like, we shouldn't be doing this. We should be doing arts and crafts like the boys. Let's talk to Connie about it later on. It's like an underground movement developing. <laughs> and uh, yeah, then Lucy gets called out by another girl off to the side. And we meet Jill. Jill from Cabin 3, whose uncle is the caretaker mm-hmm. of the camp. So, uh, she, yeah, through their conversation, Jill hints to Lucy that she knows all kinds of cool things about the camp, like cool secrets and hideouts and paths and stuff. And Lucy is very allured by this. She's a little reticent at first. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but- I think she's reticent until she hears about, like, 
the secret stuff. Yeah. I feel like there's something... Like, this is, like, a lot of Odyssey episodes. This episode does a lot. And, like, more so because there are so many different plot lines. There's, uh-huh. like, an A, B, C, and a D plot, basically. There's a lot going there's on. There's a lot. But what I think about this is this is such a good example of, like, how temptation often works or, like, a very specific way. I feel like people are allured by secrets. We like to learn things. We like to learn things. And one way that that is often twisted is by like, wouldn't you like to know this? It's secret. So you'll be special if you know it. It just makes me think of the third book of the Space Trilogy by C.S. Lewis. In which, like, a central character is lured deeper and deeper into an evil organization because they just keep promising him secret knowledge and promotions. Yeah, it's insidious. It's very insidious. I feel like any time that somebody is lured in just on the promise of something like secret knowledge, it's either going to be like a scam. Yeah. Or it's just something to look out for. Because I think that Jill actually, I mean, we know from the episode that she does have cool stuff to show Lucy. But But there's, for one thing, no reason why those things need to be a secret. Yeah, there's like a time and a place for these things to be experienced. And it's not while under the supervision of camp counselors Mm -hmm. when you are like the responsibility of these other adults. You're too young for one to be running off on your own in the woods. Yeah. And for another thing, it's like you were entrusted into these people's hands by your parents. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, now's not the time to go around looking for your own secret experiences. Like, I understand why Jill, whose uncle is the caretaker and spends a lot of time at this camp when there aren't kids there doing activities, would feel like this is a normal thing to do. Mm-hmm. Because she probably just has the run of the place mm-hmm. most of the time. Yeah. But it is notable that the way that she is trying to get Lucy to go hang out with her is with the promise of these things are secret. So Mm -hmm. I think it's like it's a power thing because if you know something somebody else doesn't know, then you've got like some leverage over them. And then she's offering that to Lucy. And that is what gets Lucy because like before that, she's not super interested in sneaking around. But then, yeah, it's like the the secret stuff gets her. And also that Jill is not, like, outright telling her that what they're going to do is break the rules to reach these things. Mm -hmm. Like, she's leading with, oh, but these juicy secrets and just trust me when I say we should go and follow me. Mm -hmm. And Lucy's like, well, okay. But she hasn't told Lucy that that's going to involve leaving behind all the other campers and breaking rules. Yes, indeed. There there were, what, fine print. Uh-huh. There's fine print involved in this. What I'm saying is be wary whenever this kind of promise excites you, perhaps. Mm-hmm. That's, that's the point I'm making. Don't get inducted into a cult. Don't get inducted into a financial scheme. And be careful when a, a conspiracy theory seems too good to be true. Yeah, yeah, anything that seems too good to be true, anything promising you, oh, it's going to be so cool, you're going to learn stuff, if they can't actually tell you what that stuff is. Like, Jill could have said, Lucy, there is a place, that place is located here, at that place is a waterfall. Mm-hmm. You know, you can, yeah, I don't know, whatever. She could have been open about it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think the point has been thoroughly made. I'm just trying to keep people out of cults. It's my mission. (laughs) Please don't join a cult. Please don't join a cult. Listen to episode 11 of album four for more cult-related advice. (laughs) 
becoming a segment. <laughs> segment is called Don't Join a Cult. Yeah. This week on Don't Join a Cult. Don't Join a Cult. Thank you. This has been the weekly Don't Join a Cult. So we fade out of the conversation between Jill and Lucy, and we overhear that Allison has been going on about new floor shine from Jackson and Jackson. Oh, yeah. <laughs> She's reciting commercials, and this is the first pin I'm going to place about ah, something we're going to discuss later. Good catch. Put a pin in this little interaction. She recites a commercial verbatim to Thelma Thud. Thelma is not having it, of course. And I think the other kids are annoyed. An ongoing theme. This is like our C-plot. Yes. I think that's a, f a fair... Is it our C-plot or is it our B-plot? If Lucy mm. is our A-plot... Well, A-plot is Connie recounting the story. Oh. Is it? Or is that just a framing device? Oh, good point. So framing device is Connie recounting the story in these letters. A-plot is Lucy and Jill. B-plot is this TV-obsessed little girl. Mm -hmm. And do we now get to our C-plot, which is the boys? We do. So we've got a recurring character in uh, Coach Fred Zachary. He's here. Mr. Whatchacall. Yeah, better known as Mr. Whatchacall. Such a funny verbal tick. I love it. I love it a lot. So he's, he's helping the boys in archery, and we've got Jimmy, Jack, and Oscar all together. This is the point in the episode where I suddenly realized these are all kids that we know and love. I mean, we've been introduced to Jill and Allison in this episode, but it's just so fun to hear kids interacting. Like, Jimmy starts talking, and then Jack starts talking, and I was like, oh my gosh, two kids that I know. And then Oscar comes in, and I was like, three kids! <laughs> There are six kids total that we know. Yeah, it's awesome. Like, we were, we've built up a cast, guys. We have a cast. It's great. Yeah, all of them, I could not help flashing back to archery class in college thinking there's no Ooh. archery safety going on here <laughs> no. at all. Nope, there is not. It is real bad. And also, I feel like it's probably somewhat accurate. I've done archery at camps in yeah. a limited capacity, and it was, like, a little bit sketchy to me. Anyway, I'm kind of, like, safety neurotic when it comes to pointy and sharp things, so I'm, like, maybe more nervous in this scene than other people would be, but, like... I mean, I had an experience at camp with archery, too, but maybe because we were a smaller camp, I don't know. It was actually very safe. It was, like, all the rules where you're, like... The archery range is not near any, like, thoroughfares or buildings. Uh -huh. And no one is on the field when you're shooting the arrows, and you have a whistle that blows when you're allowed to shoot, and then a whistle that blows when you stop. When you must stop. Yeah. Another thing about archery safety is learning how to properly shoot the bow. Mm -hmm. It's being played for laughs in this scene, but these kids do not know how to shoot a bow. No. But that is so incredibly dangerous. <laughs> but, I mean, it's, it's comedy, guys. It's comedy. It's not real. We can all relax. They've been hitting the broadside of a barn. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Fred Zachary has a lot of very entertaining quotes throughout both of these episodes, this two-parter. I didn't think you could hit the broadside of a barn, but I was wrong. That's all you've been hitting. Now, please, just try and hit the target. I believe in you guys. I know you can do it. I... That was a little close. Uh, never mind. I take it back. No archery contest. Uh, maybe we'll just throw some water balloons. 
I wrote down Oscar almost kills a guy because that is part of what ensues in the comedy is just arrows flying off at random. Stressful, but it's funny. Fred Zachary is like, I take it back. No archery contest tomorrow. Yeah, yeah, there was gonna be. Um, This is like the first inkling that we get that there's gonna be competitions between cabins. So plot relevant. And then scene transition. And we introduce our next most interesting character in this episode. The best character. The best character in this two-parter. The one of the best one-off characters. A nature expert named Wilma Needlebark. To give you a clue, this voice actor has also played Jesus. (laughs) When I saw that, because I was looking up to see, I was like, who? plays this woman. Do I recognize him from other things? Because it is fully a man playing Mrs. Wilma Needlebark. And I, to this day, question this choice. Like, why? Why did they, why did they cast this guy? He's doing vocal drag. He, he is, I know. It's like a weird choice for Odyssey. And I don't think they ever do it again is the thing. It would make more sense if they did this again. Yeah, it would make more sense if this was like either a recurring character or just a thing that they did occasionally. I know that Adventures in Odyssey sometimes has, I don't know, they're just like casting scheduling issues or whatever. Sure. But they clearly had, I mean, they had Thelma, Thelma Thud. They have Connie, they have Chris. I mean, they always have like someone that they can tap to play like some adult woman. But this was clearly a a caricature that they had in mind. It's, yeah, it's like a, she's just a, what is she? Why is she? (laughs) (laughs) Why is Wilma Needlebark? She sounds like a stuffy old British woman. Yeah, without really that much of a British accent. She's like, uh, just so affected in her voice. It's just really clearly a man doing a very affected voice. Yeah. This is the renowned nature expert, Mrs. Wilma Needlebark. Hello, girls. Hi. Now, my first bit of advice is to pack light. We're going to spend the night in the great outdoors, and we can't be lugging excess paraphernalia around. I would love to know why the directors did this. Did they just do it because they thought it was funny? I mean, that honestly could be all there is to it. That could be. Maybe this dude just, like, read a line for her and they were like, let's have that be the character. Yeah, like, maybe this was just the stand-in dude because they didn't have Mm -hmm. someone there that day and they're like, no, wait, you. No, wait, this is good. Uh, That's valid, though. Because, I mean, he does a great job and this character is very entertaining. I wouldn't question it if it wasn't for the fact that this is the only time in Odyssey that this happens. Yeah. I can think of characters that they could have done this with, but mm-hmm. they didn't. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe maybe they do and we're just forgetting. Maybe. But you'd think it would have made an impression on us if they did it again. I'll bet this is something that we could look up and f- find the answer to. I'm sure someone in the Odyssey community has investigated oh, yeah. this. Oh, yeah. Ping us. Please. Please tell us. Yes, if you know. Please give us the Odyssey drag stats. <laughs> not something I ever thought we'd say. Are we allowed to say Odyssey drag stats? It's going, it's going in the annals of questionable phrases that we've said on this podcast. Uh, but anyway, the point, the, the reason she's here is <laughs> she's Bes- going to take the bes- girls on a nature hike. Yes. Besides why is she here? She's here for plot reasons. 
she's here because she's an expert in all things nature, and while the boys are doing their competition stuff, I guess, that they're preparing for, mm -hmm. the girls are gonna go and camp in the woods. Mm -hmm. And she's very adamant, pack light, no excess paraphernalia. Mm-hmm. Parapho, what? And Connie is like, just don't bring extra stuff you don't need, Donna. Donna, poor Donna, is like, I need to bring my hair dryer. My hair is like a bird's nest. <laughs> Not like any bird's nest I've ever seen. <laughs> that was a good impression. That's what she sounds like. Uh, what else? I wrote down from this scene that Allison is freaking out about her TV again, and Connie says a line that I feel like is a, uh, like a crux sort of line, which mm -hmm. is, if you're addicted to TV, then you need to go without it, which I feel like is just a, a good sort of line that encapsulates maybe the Christian perspective on addiction. Mm -hmm. Or, I mean, and we'll, we can break that down later on. We can go into it a little bit further. I think the, one of the discussion questions that we'll address after we've done both parts one and two will kind of help us break down that yeah. sentiment a little more. This is also the scene in which Lucy and uh, Jill create plans. Here's another little inkling that we have that this is temptation needling its way mm. into Lucy's... Needle barking its way. Needle barking its way into Lucy's heart is... Oh, it won't take long. Oh, yeah, yeah. When Jill is like, let's, like, during the hike is when we will sneak away. And yeah, uh, it'll be fine. <laughs> it won't take long to go see the secret sites. Ask for an inch, take a mile. Mm-hmm. That's our mid-episode. And we come back from the mid-episode break on a note again of Connie saying to her mother, So... So Coach Zachary was trying to teach the boys canoeing. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile... Meanwhile. Meanwhile, the boys. There's a lot of meanwhile, the boys, meanwhile, the girls in both of these episodes. A lot of flip-flopping mm -hmm. back and forth. So the boys are trying to canoe and it is very frantic. There's a lot of splashing. Jack being like, row, row, stroke, stroke, stroke. And Oscar being like, there's water in my eyes. And Oscar also says, maybe we need to bring up the anchor. This is a canoe. There is no anchor. <laughs> There's a lot of just cute little comedy lines like that in here. And uh, yeah, meanwhile, the coach comes up and uh, spectates their attempt at canoeing. And the boys are like, something is wrong. Like, what are we doing wrong? And the coach is like, okay, yeah, I think I can see what your problem is. You got to put the, what you call the big end of the oar in the water. <laughs> this is one of those wonderful audio comedy moments. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's what I was thinking. It's like, you can't you can't do some of these jokes in visual media. Mm -hmm. So uh, they're like, oh, and I think Jack is like, I thought so. Like, I told you guys. <laughs> Why was this up for debate? Uh, so, they, so they try, and then they do better. And it, it is just as frantic, but they make it to the other side. And then the coach is like, all right, yeah, that's, that's great. You did a great job. I think you're ready to go from take this out of the pool and put it in the lake. It's like they're not even in the body of water where the competition is going to be. Another piece of audio comedy. We've been picturing this all in a lake, but not even. And it's a very short scene because we go immediately to the girls on their hike. And uh, Allison is going on and on and on about like her family's TV watching routines of like, first we watch this, and then once that show is over, we watch this show. And da 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 and like talking about the shows. And Robin and Donna are very openly 
annoyed. And they even ask her to stop, and then she's like, oh, okay, but then she keeps going, which is pin number two. Pin number two. Drop a pin in this interaction. Yeah, it's like the way that they're like, they're very clear with her. They're like, we don't want to hear about this. We're very tired of hearing about this. You need to stop. And she's like, oh, well, then we watch this show. Mm-hmm. And uh, is that the end of that interaction? Yeah, I wrote down that um, Mrs. Needlebark points out a straight-billed wood creeper. I don't know if that's a real bird or not. It sounds fake enough to be real. There's some weird birds out there. Mm-hmm. And also, uh, she she delivers a little line about how beautiful nature is. And how we can just stop and appreciate God's creation. Look, on this leaf, a caterpillar. caterpillar. <laughs> and what does she say? Hello, Mr. Caterpillar. Yeah. Robin is not pleased. It's a bug. She's like, no, it's a Lepidoptera. Mm -hmm. That's a kind of bug, I regret to inform you. Mm -hmm. And she starts giving a lecture on this caterpillar, and this is when Jill is like, now's our chance. Mm -hmm. And Lucy is pretty reluctant, but I notice I think what gets to her is the peer pressure of like, come on, you're, are you scared? Like, you don't want to be a drag. Like, don't be a bummer. And I think this is kind of a recurring theme in Lucy's life up to this point, where she is kind of always the one to stand back and be responsible. Mm -hmm. And I think it's starting to wear on her, like, uh, I yeah. maybe, like, I don't want to be that kid mm -hmm. anymore. Yeah, and this is all, like, we kind of gather it from context, because there's nothing that Lucy says so much to indicate that at this point. It's just, like, it seems a little bit out of character for her to cave to peer pressure, but it's also understandable. Mm -hmm. And uh, so they sneak away, and uh, rain is developing on the horizon. Thunder rolls in the background. Mm -hmm. Another trope. People doing bad things, weather becoming bad. Mm -hmm. And Lepidoptera will become a white admiral butterfly. So you see, Robin, it isn't only a bug... It's a gorgeous caterpillar destined for a new and better life as a white admiral butterfly. Marvelous. Actually, the kids are not pleased by this for some reason. Like, come on, guys. Caterpillars are amazing. Come on, guys. Butterflies are beautiful. Uh, so meanwhile, the boys are fighting over why the canoeing was going poorly. I think I think the boys are in their cabin once again mm -hmm. and being like, well, if you hadn't done this, well, if you hadn't done that, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, because it's lights out, but they're still arguing. Mm -hmm. And yeah, Coach Zachary comes over to tell them all to like, hey, be quiet. And Jimmy is like, but I can't sleep. My mattress is hard. And he's like, oh, you want me to come over there and fluff it up for you? <laughs> the girls are camping in tents tonight. At least you have your beds. Mm -hmm. But the boys are entertained by the notion of the girls sleeping in tents in the rain. They're like, oh man, I would love to see what's going on over there. Jimmy especially thinking of his sister Donna. Yeah, understandably. And then uh, smash cut to Robin screaming because she is being attacked by a bug that is coming up her sleeping bag to get her. It's not a bug, Robin. It's your hair barrette. And she's like, oh, that's where it went. <laughs> Robin, to her credit, she, she pivots, like, fast. I know, because I don't know about you, but if I know that there's a bug 
like a dangerous bug <laughs> on me or in the tent. Like even if I find out it's not actually a bug, I'm still like on high alert. You're like creeped out. Yeah. Uh-huh. But this is like a thing with Robin we've mentioned in the past too. Like she is quick to recognize when she's wrong and like quick to turn around. Yeah. It's a good character trait. Uh, I think we also, we over here now, because Connie comes in to like check on them all from all this commotion. And we learn that Lucy and Jill are lost. It's been a few hours. Mm-hmm. It's it dark. It's dark. It's raining. Connie doesn't have a raincoat, but she's going to go out and look for them anyways mm-hmm. with some and of the other camp counselors. Yeah, and Connie, like, voices some frustration with the kids and then, like, cuts herself short. Like, she doesn't want to talk badly about Lucy and Jill in front of the other campers, but yeah. she's clearly frustrated with them. I mean, good on her. Mm-hmm. She also lets the girls know, hey, I, I talked to the camp director about what you mentioned to me, which is a scene we didn't get to see, but apparently the girls told Connie about their desire to, I don't know, oh. not clean floors. Like, you know, reasonable small children. <laughs> yeah, like a reasonable demand to actually want to have fun at camp and not, like, do chores. Imagine. And so, uh, so we're gonna have a battle of the sexes, guys. Girls are gonna get to compete with the boys' cabin. Meanwhile, Allison, um, is calmly reading, and Connie is like, oh, that's good. Like, are you reading the Bible? No. It's my TV guide. Mmm. Keeping me calm. Gosh dang it, Allison. We thought, I think all the girls are like disappointed. They thought that she had made like a breakthrough in her TV addiction, but no. Pin number three. Meanwhile, uh, Donna is like complaining about her appearance, I think. And Robin is complaining about like she doesn't have her electric blanket. Like they're missing the conveniences of electricity. It's like a thing in this episode that Donna and Robin are both like very appearance focused. It's gonna turn into a plot thread. So while they're discussing this, they start hearing what I thought were sheep noises in the woods. I wrote down scary goat sounds. There's some some kind of a horned creature that is bleating. And someone's like, is that a bear? And then Donna references an episode from album two in which Donnie and Whip chased up a tree by Mm -hmm. a bear. The original Camp What a Nut. Remember that? Remember last year, guys? Apparently that album was last year. Wow. In Odyssey time. Wild. Very wild. So yes, bear? No, it's the goat man. And Allison is like, did I see this on the Twilight Zone? No, no, no. <laughs> She's like, no, no, no. Jill told me about Jill it. Jill told me about this. That there's a scary goat man who the, lives in these woods. The head of a goat, the body of a man. And uh, this is definitely him. And the other girls are like clearly getting creeped out, but trying to maintain rationality. Like, no, it's it's not that. That's not a thing. There's no such thing as a goat man. It's not him. And the music gets scarier and the thunder gets louder. And, and the goat man sounds get scarier. And closer. And closer and closer until he is like bursting into their tent and screaming goat sounds in their faces is what it sounds like to me. And they are also screaming. And that is the end of the episode. Did you guys predict that this would be our... <laughs> Our, uh, our cliffhanger for this two-parter, that there would be a goat man screaming at our camp kids? Because I didn't, and I've heard this episode before. <laughs> I forgot that was even a thing. Me too. It is creepy. Yeah, I kept being like, why are there goats in these woods? <laughs> yeah. 
I couldn't remember what the what the real explanation was for what was going on, but uh, we'll find out very quickly when we move on to part two of Connie Comes to Camp. Connie comes to camp? Connie, Connie goes, goes to, to camp. camp. Do you want to take it again? Nope. Or just leave it there? <laughs> okay. I'll leave that. We leave all of this in the episode. People need to hear the real us sometimes. <laughs> we, we've got to transition ourselves into part two. Bridge the gap. Do you hear something? I, do you mean besides the airplanes that keep flying overhead and interrupting us? That's just, that's just airplanes, Emily. Are you sure it's airplanes? Are you sure it's not a Yeti? A we're in we're at the beach there's no there's no such thing as a beach yeti is there i mean i don't know maybe i saw it on the twilight zone (laughs) oh no will slip right past us unnoticed. Look closely at this leaf, for example. Hello, Mr. Caterpillar. Mr. Caterpillar. Come around here, girls. I want you to see it. A bug? Not just a bug, Robin. A Lepidoptera. A bug. Let me tell you about this one. You see, 